Let's turn our Bibles to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter number 3. And uh, we're going to read one verse in chapter 3 and then two verses over in chapter 4. Alright, so 1 John chapter number 3. Um, now, if you've noticed, this is not in Exodus, okay? And that's where we're reading in the Old Testament. Uh, it's not in Matthew. That's where we're reading in the New Testament. It's not in Proverbs. And so um, we're taking a step away from from preaching through those books. And um, our theme this year is the love of God, whether it be from God to us or us to God or us to someone else, we're, we're dealing with the love of God. And so uh, today's message will be uh, a witness of love. That's the title. And uh, it'll kind of be a mix of all of those. And so we want to continue in this, uh, in this theme for the year and kind of keep that ever present in front of you as a church. But First John chapter number 3, verse number 1, The Scripture says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Now, I, I, I know sometimes it's hard to amen Scripture, but I just gave you an amenable Scripture. All right, so I'm going to read the first part of that verse again says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Doesn't that do something for you today? I learned a song in probably the sixth or seventh grade, the few years that I went to Christian school, and it was based out of chapter number four, verse number seven and verse number eight. For uh, the sake of everyone's ears, I will not sing the song, but I will read the verse, okay? So First John 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, loveth, or knoweth not God, for God is love. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we love you. God, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the good songs of Zion. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that years ago I got on that lifeboat. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for extending that to me. And God, I'm looking forward. Brother David taught in Sunday school, crossing that Red Sea, or sometimes we'll say crossing the Jordan. Lord, I'm looking forward to the things that you have in store, whether here or whether in glory. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand behind this desk. Thank you for the call that you've placed on my life. Lord, I'm unworthy. Lord, I know I'm not learned. So, Father, we pray today that you'd help us, Lord, to do your will. Lord, to do your bidding in today's message. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I'll be preaching on this thought, a witness of love. As we read here in the book of 1 John, I I know you know this, so it's it's going to be a kind of a moot point, but uh, this is one of the Apostle John's writing, one of those 12 apostles. And uh, he wrote the Gospel of John, he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then he wrote the book of Revelation, okay? So this is the same person that's written these, what was that, five different books. But there's something different about John's writings than, uh, let's just say, Matthew's or even Paul's. There's something different about it. His, 
his 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 goal is the same. His goal is still to uh, enlighten his readers. His goal is still to to lift up the name of Christ. But there's some goals that that have been um, kind of forgotten, and one of those is the love of God. Uh, I gave Brother Kurt one of these just a few weeks ago, and and uh, many many of the the small little books, the Gospel of John. A lot of times they include the, the book of Romans as well, uh, have been printed and have been distributed all over the world. Uh, they've been translated into different languages. Uh, and the reason being is because there is such uh, doctrine, such things that a man maybe that's just saved can glean from the book of John. Uh, it is there in the book of John that we find out who Christ really is. He's the Word. We find out why He sent His disciples to the world. It's because His own received Him not. We find in the book of John that we must be born again there in chapter 3. We find that chapter number 3 tells us that God so loved the world. We find in John so many things that are, that are so, um, uh, so private to John, but yet he pins down to show his relationship with the Son of God. And uh, so men and women and children have read this book of St. John, if you will, for years upon years, and uh, we give them that so that they can get founded or grounded in the gospel and what it is, what it means. But then we get to 1 John and 2 and 3 John, and we find that we can glean the love of God, but also the knowledge of or the assurance of salvation. Uh, when you go over to chapter number, I believe it's chapter number 1, uh, maybe chapter number 3, 2, somewhere along there. In chapter number 2, the word know is mentioned 13 times. And so uh, he desires that we know what we are in Christ and that we are in Christ. And he gives us many different ways to know if we are or if we are not. And uh, he says, and we'll mention this, if you love the brethren, you are in Christ. If you hate the brethren, you are not in Christ. He says in chapter number 2, I believe it is, uh, he speaks about the Antichrist. And, and this is not the, the, uh, the Antichrist that Revelation speaks of, but this is that man, woman, or child that is anti Christ, that one that is against Christ. Uh, he says that they are an antichrist if they say that Christ did not raise from the dead. And so, in the book of 1 John, there's so many different things. Then you get into the book of Revelation and you find uh, the, the, the intimacy that God has between the churches and how that after chapter number 4, the church is nowhere to be found. Why? Because the church has been raptured out of this place. Uh, but we find that there is there is doom, there is judgment upon this world, upon uh, the princes and the principalities of this world. Uh, but then we get to where we see that church again, and the church is then in heaven. Uh, then you find that the bride of Christ is there, the church. You find that the bridegroom is there, the Savior. You find that there is a marriage supper of the Lamb there. He tells us what heaven is going to be like, and, and even that, it's not the whole picture, but John's writing is something different. He tells us things that the others did not tell us. And so today we're going to focus on this thought of love. John was a witness 
in one of the most most amazing times on earth. We can look at our history books and we can see about the Ice Age or the, the Dark Ages, the Industrial Revolution. We can look during the time of the Reformation in Christianity and we could be amazed by those things. But John lived when Christ lived. John lived, help me now, with Christ. He went on fishing trips with Christ. He went on evangelistic trips with Christ. He slept right beside Christ. He sat at the table with Christ. Uh, again, we'll tell you this in just a moment, and so forget I told you, but he was at the foot of the cross with Christ. And so John had, had an insight that not a lot of other people had. In his epistles, he taught us how to live with assurance of salvation. But in each of these books, there is a thread or a strand of love that's woven throughout all of these. I looked up back in the office here in the book of John and then 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the book of Revelation. The, 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 the word love or loveth or loved is mentioned 67 times just in those five books. He had something to say about love. So, number one, let's notice this. We're talking about a witness of love. So, number one, he witnessed about God's love for us. He said there in chapter number three, verse number one, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. John was introduced to Christ. If you want to write it down, you can. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to turn there. But in Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 21, uh, John and his brother James were fishing with their father, and Jesus called out that, 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 that he would leave that and come and follow him. Uh, we don't have the words that Jesus spoke to John. We just find in chapter number 4, verse number 21, that he called unto them. Next thing you know, he's following him. And so, uh, while he was working, while he was fishing and mending their nets, Jesus called out to John. And there was something about that call that he couldn't resist. I, I, I realize that there is a fine line. In Bible study yesterday, we, we towed a fine line between uh, some things, but we stayed on the right. Somebody help me right there. We stayed to the right, and so we stayed to the right on this uh, because there is something called, and it is, it is, uh, it is false, so don't, 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 don't get sidetracked by this, but there is something entitled irresistible grace. Uh, that the Calvinists preach, and that means if God calls you, you have no other choice but to get saved. You cannot resist it. As we discussed yesterday, we have a choice, and that is to follow Christ or to deny Christ. But there still, I believe, was something about the call from Jesus to John. There was something that intrigued him, something maybe, Brother Kurt, that, that spoke deeply to him. And so he did just what he was asked to do, and he left his father and began to follow after Jesus Christ. And again, we don't know what he said, but we do know that him and his brother James followed that call. We also see that John, during this time, learned about love. He wanted the Lord, in, in Luke chapter number 9, he wanted the Lord, I told you he learned about the love of God, he wanted the Lord in Luke chapter number 9 to destroy a city of Samaria because they would not accept Christ. 
And he said, why don't you just call down fire from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus said, you know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man, and this blessed me, the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Boy, howdy. Amen. We, I tell you, we pray for things sometimes almost like John did. We pray out of our own flesh, out of our own desire. God destroy this. God destroy this person. God do this, whatever. Uh, but then it's as if, for me anyway, uh, when I begin to pray that, I feel as though Jesus begins to tell me about the times that He extended love to me and the times that He extended forgiveness to me uh, so that I would still be here trying to give the love of God to someone else. So John had to learn about the love of God. He observed Jesus' love for the woman at the well in John chapter number 4. You remember this woman was from Samaria. She was outcast. She came to the well. Jesus asked for a drink drink of water. They had a discussion. Uh, uh, Jesus said uh, somewhere around verse number 8, I believe it is, uh, that He said that I am this water, and if you drink from this water, you shall never thirst again. And she said those words, Lord, uh, give me to drink from this water. And so then the disciples came back, and they saw this woman that should never have been around a male Jew of this age, but should not be there when anyone else was there at the well, let alone talking to Jesus Christ. And so they were upset, but in that they saw Jesus' love for this woman who they despised. Y'all with me? But then we also see that he witnessed the Lord's love for the woman taken in adultery. I preached on this yesterday, some of, some of these things yesterday. In John chapter number 8, there was a woman. The Bible says that she was taken in adultery in the very act. But Jesus, instead of throwing a stone at her, and I wish we could tell what he wrote on the sand. It'd probably be helpful to us today, but apparently it was none of our business. He wrote in the sand something, and then he stood up and he told these Pharisees, these religious folks, he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says that they were convicted by their own conscience, and one by one, starting at the oldest to the youngest, they dropped the stones and they went away. Jesus knelt down during this time and began to write in the sand again. He stood up again and he said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? And she said, Lord, I have none. And he, Jesus, said to her, He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And in this, John, as well as the other disciples, saw the love of God towards this individual. And that amazes me. It amazes me how that we can be so uh, steeped in our sin where we need forgiveness, but we think that we can't really get it, but God still gives it and He extends love to us. Watching Jesus, John saw God's love in action, and today we can see this too. How, how do we see this? Well, we can see the love of God, of course, in us, but we can see it as we spend more time with Him in the Scriptures. Number two, he witnessed about our love for others. In 1 John chapter number 3, verse number 14, the Bible says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the... I'm in chapter 4, excuse me. 
Where am I at? Chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3, verse number 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whatsoever or whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life hiding in him, abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. He witnessed about our love for others. The proof that we have passed from death to life is that we love the brethren. An unmistakable mark of salvation is that we love the brethren. We cannot love God and hate the brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I'm going to help some of y'all. I'm going to help y'all find out what's in my pocket. There's a difference between hate and caution. Can somebody say amen right there? There is a difference between hate and caution. Now, in, in some of the things that this church has been through over the last few months, some may see that our actions or interactions with individuals, it may be perceived as hate. But I believe it can be more accurately defined as caution. Okay, y'all hearing me now? We're all in this together. And so, yes, we need the love of God, but I don't want it misconstrued today that I'm saying that we hate someone because we are being cautious. That's not the case at all. Okay, we are to protect our families, our church, the 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 name of Christ, and so yes, all right. So I'm 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 hitting time out to ex- explain this for a minute, but I want us to know today that regardless of anybody that may be on our minds, if we hate a brother, if we hate a brother, now in the New Testament it says that you must hate your father and your mother and love Christ. But I just, Brett? I just explained this to Braylon. I was pointing at Angela. I lost my daughter there. I just explained this that in in the scripture there that word hate or hateth that in 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 the gospels, brother Kurt, it means to love less. And it says we must love less every single thing, person, place, whatever it may be. We must love those things less than we love God. So He must have preeminence in our lives. We must. But here, it's a more harsh word. It does not mean that you love less your brother. It means that you have a hatred for your brother. It means that you absolutely despise. Now, it's been said a hundred times that we ought to uh, uh, love the sinner and hate the sin. Somebody say amen right there. That's true. But it is so hard when we come across someone that says they are a brother or says that they are sister, we find them in sin. It is hard to balance that because there's so much hurt and so much pain. But I'm going to tell you this right now. You can have hurt and you can have pain. You can be disappointed. You can be ripped apart. But if that ever turns into hate, you've got a problem. We are to love the brother. We ought to love our sister. I can tell you, oh my goodness, I could tell you, I, I, mean, I don't even have enough fingers on my hands to tell you the times that I have been so deeply hurt by people in the church. 
And I'm not talking about people that are out in sin. I'm talking about people that pick up the phone, people that send a text, people that, that think they know the will of God in someone else's life, and they don't. And I've been hurt. Many of you have been hurt. But if that hurt, if that hurt turns into hatred, then the problem of you being hurt is not the problem. It's where you're standing with Christ. We need to watch it. He witnessed about our love for others. Some people are easy to love. Some people are not. That's where that personality comes into play. Some people, I, I have a hard time. And some of you are like this. I have a hard time with those people that get up in the morning and they're like, isn't it a glorious day? Hallelujah. Oh, let's just tiptoe through the, shut up and leave me alone. But then I have a problem with those that are like, hello, what do you want? It's a fine line. I've told you, I've got about two or three good hours in me and that's like from 11 to 3. After that, don't, don't bother me, don't mess with me. We need to love one another. Even with our flaws, we need to love one another. I, I'm not trying to be, be funny here. Um, Lori and I have been married for 20 years. And, and, I, and, 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 and I remember when we were dating, as we were engaged, oh, she don't know what she's getting. And I, I was thinking more along me, not like I never considered myself handsome, Always been a little plump, you know. I'm like, oh, this little girl, bless her heart. And as I've, over these 20 years, Samuel, I've looked in the mirror every morning. I've thought, how can she love me? How can she love me? As I say something that maybe hurts her, but then we kiss and make up, I think, how can she love me? It's because it's a different love. And Christians have a different love than this world has. I told you a few weeks ago about me trying to kill my sister multiple times. And enjoyed it as it was going down. But we still love one another. That's that brotherly love. We just made up and went on. Lived to die another day, I guess you might say. Some of you will get that reference. But as we love the brethren, it is to be a continual love as Christ's love is continual towards us. The more He loves, the more we should love. And we're not perfect. Miss Leah, we're not going to follow this rule all the time. We're going to get upset with people. We're going to fall out with people. Friendships may bust up over things and, and people may leave the church over things of this sort. But can I tell you, we must, as John had to learn, we must love the brethren. He learned this lesson so much that he wrote, a, he wrote an entire book about how to love one another. He used some strong words in verse 14. He said, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Verse 15, he said, Whosoever hateth his... Or, 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 that was verse 15. 
one of the verses. 14, excuse me, I got ahead of myself. He says, at the end, he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. If you love not a brother or a sister, whatever they have done, whatever they have not done, if you hate them, the Bible says you're abiding in death. Our spiritual health can be measured by the love of God in us. But here's where it gets interesting. It's not our measuring stick. It's God. And a lot of the time, He uses other people to measure the love of God in us. I watched a couple weeks ago. I took the girls to the doctor and they stood up against the wall and they brought that thing, measured them. And I watched as the numbers was different than the way I do it at home, Brother Buster. Buster, right? Not Rocky Buster. Buster. Okay. I've done confused myself. I felt like I had it right and then I confused myself. You know, we, we, we do it at home. You know, you, you get back there and you take a pen or something or another, but... It's, it's like they're always either standing too straight or they're slumped or the pin's not right or it's, it's a half inch off their head and so you never get... And that's the way it is with us. If we try to measure ourselves, we're always going to be off. But if we, go, if we go to the one who is love, remember what I said in chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, God is love. And so if we measure ourselves... Or rather, we allow God to measure us against Himself. Quite often, we will fall short. So, regardless of where we stand in our spiritual lives, we can always love more. Number three, He witnessed about the greatest example of love. Y'all still with me this morning? Let's look at verse number, um, verse number 9 and 10 of chapter number 4. We've already read verse 7 and 8, but now let's look at verse number 9 and 10. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Now, I want you to notice this next part. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? You got it. John 3, it sounds an awful lot, awful lot like John 3.16. Let's keep on reading. Verse 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Don't let that word propitiation mess you up. That is the, He, he was the ransom. He was, he was what was needed for us to be freed. Number three, he witnessed about the greatest example. The cross, Calvary's cross, Jesus Christ's cross was the greatest example of God's love. Now, every single one of us, we could, we could say that um, God loved us more than the other. Because, Brother Jody, we know where God brought us from. You may say, if you, if you and I were to sit down and compare quote-unquote testimonies with one another... 
it may seem that God had to reach a lot deeper into sin to, to pull you out. Miss Denisha, maybe you and one of these ladies or one of these young ladies could do the same and, and maybe God had to reach further for one of y'all than the other. But can I tell you what Paul said? There is none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so in that, it does not matter how deep you were, God's hand was longer still to be able to pull you up out of there. It does not matter how far away you thought you were from God because His ear was not too heavy that He could not hear. Now, you may go in the back room, Brother Kurt, and you may say, Hey, Jamie, and I not hear you. But it doesn't matter where you are. When you call out to God, He'll hear you. He says here about these, these verses in chapter number 4, verse 9 and verse number 10. We read this. And I told you about it earlier that John stood at the cross and it was there that he received specific orders from Christ while he was on the cross. It was there in John chapter number 19, verse 25, 6 and 7. The Bible tells us that Mary was there and that John was there. And he told his mother to look at the son. And he told John to behold thy mother. By that, he knew what his direction was. He needed to protect. He needed to take care of Mary. Not John's biological mother, but Jesus' mother. He was to take care of her. But listen. He learned that he was loved by the work that he was asked to do. You that run businesses, there are some jobs that you do not want people to do. If you hired me today, you would not want me to go frame a house. That thing would look like a, a Jenga puzzle or something other by the time I was done. You, Brother David, you would not want me to go weld on on one of your beds. It might get welded, but it would not look pretty. And I've seen those welds, and they are pretty. But what do you do? You put that one who has learned. You put that one who is trustworthy. You put that one that you can have confidence in. And Jesus showed his love towards John when he put him over his mother to take care of her. What did God tell us to do? He told Peter, go feed my sheep, go feed my lambs. He told us in Matthew and in Mark to go preach the gospel to the world, to every creature, in the name of the Father. He said, baptizing Matthew, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He tells us to go out. Why would he do that? Because he has confidence in us. He has love toward us that we should show that love towards someone else. God sent His only begotten Son, He says in verse number 9, into the world that we might live through Him. I wonder if, as, if He was pinning this particular chapter, I wonder if He maybe got to thinking about that chapter He wrote in the third chapter of John. When He was recounting that that midnight meeting with Nicodemus. When he was recounting that meeting on the rooftop maybe, and hearing just Jesus' words whispered in hushed tones, 
Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Nicodemus, don't be surprised by this. You must be born again. Nicodemus didn't understand that. He began to explain it. But then he said, this is how it's going to happen. For God so loved the world. That included Nicodemus. And can I help you? That includes you. That includes that lost person. That includes that person that does not deserve God. And I'm glad that nary one of us deserved God but God. Somebody say amen. He said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And He says here, verse number 9, He said that the love of this was manifested that the love of God had toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. The message of the cross is, of course, the message of salvation. Without Christ's Calvary, without Christ's crossed cross, we would not have salvation. They could have crucified anybody else on that specific day. But if it had not been Christ, if Christ did not die on that cross and was not placed in that tomb and did not arise on that third day, then we would not have the gospel. But I'm glad this morning that we have the gospel because John saw him die. John saw him put in the tomb. And John and Peter saw him resurrected. They saw the tomb empty and they saw him in his bodily form in the upper room. They saw him alive. Because they saw him alive, they knew. They knew that this was all real. This was not some fairy tale that they had heard passed through generations upon generations. This is something different. This was the love of God bestowed upon all men in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. God's love is demonstrated for us. Verse number 10, look quickly. Herein is love. You wonder where love is? John says, I'll tell you. It's not that we loved God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Hallelujah. Praise the name of God today, Kurt. You didn't deserve Him. Nick, you didn't deserve Him. Hunter, you didn't deserve Him. Bubba, you didn't deserve Him. And though you may have liked Him, and though you may have grown up singing in Sunday school, the B-I-B-L-E, and Jesus loves me, and this little light of mine, and all of those other things, Christ didn't die on Calvary because you loved Him. He died on Calvary. God sent His Son because He loved you. And He knew where He would have to save you from. He knew the depth that He would have to save you from. But Brother Buster, He still sent His Son, and His Son still died. His Son still resurrected. And when you were born and you called upon the name of God, He, despite what you have done, He still loved you and saved you. Isn't that a blessing this morning to know the love of God? So here we see a witness of the love of God. We'll come with a song of invitation as I give this quick conclusion here. I wonder how long has it been since you've told someone about the love of God? I'm going to ask you several questions here. The first is, how long has it been since you've told someone about the love of God? 
Next question is this. How long has it been since you've shown someone the love of God? How long has it been since you've shown someone the love of God? We could preach for another hour on the ways to show the love of God. But I'll let the Spirit of God do that. The love of God is what should motivate our actions and our reactions. When things don't go our way, it's the love of God that should show in our reactions. When things that that maybe go our way, but they end up messed up, our plans are fouled up, our reactions should be based on the love of God. But then every action that we have towards someone else should be dictated by the love of God. Not by our own love, because that will fall short every time. But by the love of God. This morning you've heard about this love. We challenge you to love one another. We challenge you to love that unlovable one outside. We challenge you to love more deeply those people within this church, within your family. Love them harder. Love them longer. All of that is going to start with loving God and loving Him the right way.